coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. It sounds so silly to say like these fairies taking it seriously. It does. But if we just forget, if we just shuffle off this idea of the happy little Tinkerbell fairy and just consider that these are other entities out there. Yeah. Uh, strange creatures that live alongside us in different dimensions. Just imagine that and then consider that they are stealing these people, that there might be something to that fairy. Lore. Yeah, we've just been conditioned, I think, to think of fairies as these benign, friendly little sprites when there's so much more lore involving darkness. Yeah. <laughs> That visualization of these two little boys playing by the river and this thing with black hair, sharp teeth, black eyes, just smiling, kind of floating to them in the wake. What if the dad wasn't there? Right. Is this thing wanting to feed? Would it have taken them into this world where the father can't see? Sure sounds like it. Yeah. Careful around that water, boys. Terrifying. 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 It is sometimes said that, quote, themselves, or fairies, are like withered versions of ancient deities that have been pushed out, or the fallen angels is another idea. And some people thought that they're the souls of people that have died, mm. based on a belief that your soul was a tiny person that came out your mouth when you slept. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. So there's a little man that leaves my mouth every night? Yep. My mouth every night? No. The rescuer put his jacket on the woman that he was rescuing and after that they could no longer take her there was something about the clothes oh, interesting. Yeah. something about fabrics or, or things from this realm that are material they don't wash with that other realm right. they don't blend well so they resist the ability for the entities to access them from the other realm yeah. that's an idea well think about Terminator when he arrives you know he's naked and all curled up yeah cause yeah you can't go through time without taking her clothes it's just too warm in that time tunnel I guess yeah. gotta strip it down mm. Arnold style feel how soft my skin is I kind of wanted to focus on the more extreme encounters are a little more fun than getting deep into the tragic accounts of people going missing. Like I wanted to focus on right. potential things that you might encounter within the forest. The water hag, the mantis man. I got a giant bird story too. Another bird. <laughs> when do we do birds? Birds are scary, I'm man. I love big bird stories. Synchronicity, Sasquatch, Homunculus, Alien Races, Satanism in Hollywood, MK Ultra, Tartaria. There's like a whole, I've been watching this one guy. Like, Close the door, in. Jury, close your door! What's the uh, inner earth disagreements? Ghost Dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman. Bohemian Grove. Corey Feldman. Magicians are demons. Specters. Spirits. Sleep paralysis. Strange disappearances. Sky whale phenomena. Yes. Alternative history. Shadow people. Shh, quiet. I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. Anunnaki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf towers. I would never talk about. That's old. Y2K. Cover ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. Well, hello, hello. Well, hello, hello, listeners. I'm John. I'm Chris. And I'm Jeremy. We jumped right into that introduction. That's like, good. Like it's natural. Maybe we finally got it because it is the season two finale. Yeah. yeah. Crazy, man. Season two. Uh, we've done over 1,000 episodes at this point. Yeah, it's crazy. I will say, not really 1,000. How many? Crazy. <laughs> and it's our 25th episode of the season, and it's going to be released right before Christmas, which is the 25th of December. Exactly. Yeah, it'll be released on Christmas Eve Eve, correct? Synchronistic or coincidental or fate, perhaps. We hope to get it out before Christmas Eve. Well, either way, you'll know because it's out and you are listening now. Hmm. So, welcome, everyone. It is wintry here. It does look like Jack Frost has laced our land with icy snow. Snowed all day. 
It's pretty gorgeous. I like how I said that in some like really ridiculous, silly way. Building it up since <laughs> I, I start land from Jack Frost and John's like, snowed all day. <laughs> Just bring it You'll have that. Remember that term? Keeping it to the point. Yeah, man. This is that time of year. We're going to be getting into some fun. Uh, what is this? Beyond 411, right? Yeah. So, okay, this is what happened. The idea for this episode is beyond missing 411, kind of the strangest entities, entity encounters that may be responsible for some disappearances in the woods. And initially, I was talking to John and I was like, hey, just so you know, I've been looking into some stuff. Um, what do you think about doing Missing 411, the fairy angle? <laughs> and, well, what did you think about that, John? <laughs> uh, it just sounded a little bit like kind of soft. Yeah, it didn't grab your interest. No. Well, there's good reason for that. I mean, we're conditioned to think of fairies as these Disney-esque little like pixie. Yeah, with wings. and That's what I think of. They're there to give you grandma wishes. And that's what most people think. Grandma of. wishes. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking fairy godmother. Sometimes we're, we're here to give you grandma wishes. It means you can well, you yeah, wish we, good things for your grandmother. Yeah, I thought it meant nice. like it preoccupies you with the wishes a grandmother would make. So for the rest of your life, you just want grandmotherly things. <laughs> I wish I had eight more raisins for these cookies. For my 19th birthday, I'd like new TV guide subscription. I don't know. Okay. <clears throat> that anyway, bad. that's why I mentioned the Jack Frost. It looks like it danced upon our land outside and iced the ground because... This is going to be an episode. Yeah, it's snowed all day. <laughs> Just to reiterate. Uh, but it is, it's a beautiful icy day out there. And instead of blessings from Jack Frost, you could hear uh, warnings of the winter hag. Mm. For instance. We're getting into that stuff? Nope. Okay. I just want to mention it because it, it is wintry out and the winter hag is a scary thing. But it's it it, scary. That idea lives inside this concept of the hidden folk or mm -hmm. the fairies or the quote good people. Right, which we have gone into before on like our gnomes episode. We did a pretty deep dive into the cultural lore around mm -hmm. the world of little people, diminutive, creepy kind of folk. Not always diminutive, but hidden for sure. You're right. Or other dimensional perhaps. Yeah. And this time of year, I think it's perfect to do this sort of episode because although the leaves have died and it's not, you know, this green, lush time of year, at least up here in the north, uh, you can see everything, mm -hmm. which almost is more eerie, especially in a deep wood. Like I was tuning the piano the other day and I was just looking off. It was this horse ranch, but they had this huge range of forest right in my view at this big picture window. And I'm just looking into there, imagining like that slow 70s zoom in. It's just passing all these trees with my view. Just imagine like something just slowly stepping out. <laughs> Like, you know, yeah. 400 yards into the forest. But it's that time of year where it's almost more mysterious that you can see further because eventually the trees just start to collect until there's, you know, it's opaque, but there's left up to your fading vision. Yeah. When I walk on the towpath over there, you can see really far. And I just mm -hmm. imagine like Dogman or something. Right. Because it's, you can see, and the colors are so like, like it's all white, you know, mm -hmm. just would stick out like a yeah. sore thumb if you could see something walking like really far away. Unless shadows to hide too. They really have to hide because the, the, that snow reflects all that light. Right. Like a big reflector. Like a big reflector. <laughs> you know, reflector. Uh, but that's what's interesting is that these things that we're talking about, it's very likely that instead of spotting it far, far down the road and being lucky or unlucky to, lucky to have that glimpse, uh, it could be breathing just a couple feet in front of you without you even seeing it. Can you pass me a fetal cell-flavored drink? You sure can. Have one. Diet Pepsi. This episode brought to you by <laughs> fetal cell okay. soda pop. All right. That's true, though. Look it up. By the way, yeah, I do want to mention that, you know, with Missing 411, obviously the main concept behind that is the intriguing and fascinating accounts of people going missing, while well, mostly tragic accounts yeah. and the strange characteristics that a lot of these cases share in that pattern mm -hmm. that David Polites is so well um, explored 
and delivered on sharing that information. This episode, we're going to be focusing on not those accounts in particular, but some potential possibilities of what might explain right. on the fringes of reality, what could explain some of these disappearances and just strange experiences in the forest in general. Yeah. And generally what you might encounter out in nature that is yet to be explained that sounds so bizarre and so out there, but has uh there's so much corroboration between mythology and modern accounts and all right. these things. Like, is it just some piece of artifact from our uh, ancient mind that has kept this going forward? Or like, you know, the archetypes, that kind of stuff. Or is there something potentially, you know, real? There, there's all kinds of possibilities, but we are going to explore this idea. And disclaimer, yeah, the missing foreign one is a serious topic. Um, and, you know, full respect to anyone who's dealt with someone going missing or right. it's a terrible, terrible thing. And this, a lot of this we're going to be talking about is a little more... I would say fun because it's exploring without getting into specific stories of missing people. We are going to be talking about more of encounters. Talk about the red caps and the the red caps, John, did you want to hear about the Those red caps? Terrifying. See, yes, thank you. Okay. So this is, I was so excited. Cause when I told you about the fairies and you're like, oh, fairies, come on. And I was like, I got to scrap all this. I was like, I'm gonna I mean, the picture helps. Yeah, exactly. So I will have this in the show notes, but this is one thing. Is I'm, he considered a fairy? Yeah. The red cap. I'm going to get into that probably first, right, Jer? Yeah. We're also going to be looking into the idea of dark nature fairies. We're also looking into transdimensional mantis men. Monstrous reclusive birds. And if we have time, the idea that the land itself might be a conscious force that is choosing to take people. Our mother? Our motherland? Yeah. Our mother is the mother. You mean Earth, the Mother what Earth? What is mother, happening? Mother, Mother Earth, We're Mother, not, Mother Ocean. Oh, oh, wow, dude, that was such a that was such a. Long... I mean, that just came into my head after I said okay. that. But our Mother, Mother, Mother Ocean, the Mother Earth. Did you know yes. that clip was in our last episode somehow? Was it? It mm -hmm. just. I think it was because I was on a track. Oh shit! It probably is in this Mother, one Mother. Ocean. But yes, John, looking at Red Cap, like you were doing. Mm -hmm. This is uh, when you was when I was talking to you, and you were like. I felt like I was gonna have to scrap the whole fairy angle, and I was like, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show John that fairies are scaries. They're terra fairies. Terra fairies. See, I came up with the term terra fairies because they're terrifying fairies. Now, I'm glad I challenged you on it because you had to dig a little deeper to make it scary. Well, at least to present it in a way knowing that people would not think of it as a creepy thing, but fairies can be scaries. Yeah, and on For that sure. note. Fairies can be very terries. When we talk about fairies, we're essentially talking about it's this whole group of things that are hidden that mm -hmm. a lot of people think are just slightly out of are our they world. Hidden in our mother? Yes, John. They're <laughs> hidden in our mother. I'm sure she's got some in there. Some parasites. Who's talking Mother Earth? I yeah. know. I what do you it. think I meant, Mom? She's got all kinds of secrets. <laughs> she holds all sorts of treasures. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but yeah, so. Point being that this, the fey folk, the fairy, the hidden folk, uh, there's all kinds of words across the earth. There are different accounts, different legends, mythologies with these different creatures or entities, but they have similar attributes, whether it's coming from uh, Gaelic, Ireland, Scotland, uh, Germany, Iceland. England, Iceland, or, you know, even you go to um, Mesopotamia and Egypt. Uh, Siloesi, as we'll get to later. I mean, you can name pretty much every general area around the world, you know, sorry for those I didn't mention. And you'll find these things and the idea that they live just outside of our realm. And if they do, do they potentially cross over from time to time to feed, to snatch, to scare? Yeah. Who knows? I was just going to say on top of what you were saying about all the, they're all around the world. I these things. red cap. <laughs> it's coming, John. I was just going to say that, again, you can check out our episode, Terrorized by Gnomes, because if you want the deep, 
deep research on oh, these, yeah. on the differences and the similarities between a lot of these uh, fey folk or dwarf-like entities all around the world. You can check out that episode because we really do a deep, deep dive. Yeah. yeah. Okay, back to the show. So, yes, John, getting into Red Cap. Red Cap. <laughs> so, Red Cap. Who is this Red Cap? There's an interesting thing that Chris mentioned to me about the fairies being referred to as the good people, right? Is that mm-hmm. an actual picture? This is a photograph of a red cap <laughs> gnome, uh, a murderous cannibalistic gnome. Read the description. Okay, I guess I'll jump to that and then I'll go back to this. Okay, I, I need it. Okay, I'm getting right into red cap here because John wants it. Uh, so this is the red cap, also known as the Pauri or Dunther. Uh, it's a type of malevolent murderous dwarf in English and Scottish folklore. They are said to inhabit ruined castles found along the border between England and Scotland. It's pretty specific. What, that area? Mm-hmm. Well, every area has different versions of this kind right, of creature. Yeah. Uh, it looks a lot like the Nisa, as far as like the red cap. That's such a classic image. The right. Norwegian but Nisa. But this is far Swedish. from the Nisa, because as we continue... Ooh, it's better. Red caps are said to murder travelers who stray into their homes and dye their hats with their victim's blood, from which they get their name. Red cap jerks. They're essentially the Fred Durst of the gnome world. What? Red caps must kill what? the hat. Wow, that's a really bad joke. You're really showing your age. I had written that down too. <laughs> you oh wrote, no, I didn't write it down. I think he did. I just said it. I just said it in my mind before the show. Uh, red caps must kill regularly, for if the blood staining their hats dries out, they die. Red caps, that's a lot of killing. Oh, weird. It's like a vampiristic sort of thing. Red caps are very fast in spite of the heavy iron pikes they wield and the iron shod boots they wear. Outrunning a red cap is supposedly impossible. Imagine that thing fast. Yeah, dude. This diminutive... Oh, uh, that's terrifying. Red-hatted, iron-axe-wielding, <laughs> sharp-teething, hungry entity wanting to dye its hat with your blood so it can stay alive. Does it eat people, too? Creepy. I think it just needs the blood. Well, let's see. Red cap is depicted as a short, thick-set old man with long, prominent teeth, skinny fingers, armed with talons like eagles, large eyes of a fiery red color... Grizzly hair streaming down his shoulders, iron boots, a pike staff in his left hand, and a red cap on his head. So none of them cut their hair? They just let it grow until their hat runs out of blood. (laughs) But yeah, so this is just one small example of one of these fairy Hilda folk, you know, type creatures that we would consider, you know, an ancient nursery rhyme. Um, You think he's real? That had a dark side. Uh, Yes, actually, I do. Uh, I don't know specifically if red red cap is, but I do. Uh, we've heard we've had people. I want to know red cap. Yes or specifically? no? Is he real? Do you think? Yes. Yes, I think that red cap is a version of what people have experienced. When I look at him, I see realness. Yes, I do too. I don't know if about the oh that the axe is a wielding big part of it and iron boots maybe. Well, if you remember going back to that episode we did on the gnomes before, if you remember that red cap is significant because not only is it here, which we didn't cover before, the Scottish guy, mm-hmm. the red cap, but you know the Nisa has the famous red cap. The David the Gnome. We connected it back to a place, oh, I think it was in South America mm-hmm. with the red hat, the same yeah. sort of diminutive thing with the red hat that was a trickster sort of spirit. So there definitely seems to be something that is that is consistent, but yet separated by vast distances. And I, I haven't heard that connection of the, the blood until I've come across the red cap from us, from Scotland. Yeah, like a little But imagine that detail. every time you see a lawn gnome on someone's lawn, you now know why his cap is red. It's covered in blood. Well, that's those are Nisa, though. I don't think that's in their mythology. Well, maybe we just don't know that about the Nisa. It could all be the same. It could be just hiding that from us that secret different places anyways but that's just one example john uh so and i I wanted to mention this that fairies have been referred to as the good people or the naduan ma 
I guess if I'm, I'm not pronouncing that right, I'm sure, but that's the Gaelic for uh, the good people. And the reason that some have suggested that you call them the good people is because it's very bad luck to say fairy, to mention them by name, right? So you say the good people to kind of get in their good graces so you don't get, you know, you don't get, I guess, picked on, targeted by these fairies for malicious purposes. Because that's a big aspect of the, the fairy culture is the idea that if you upset them, there are dire consequences, death, disease. Like skinwalker consequences? Oh, yeah. Worse? Well, that's interesting, oh, John. I mean, does it get worse than that's death? That's interesting because you <laughs> can. Eternal torture. That's true. Then yes, then fairies absolutely, because they can take you into their fairy realm yeah, and torture you too. for all time. They don't have their own realm, as far as I know. Oh, I think you'd be surprised. Have you ever seen... Um, <laughs> you don't know. Have you ever seen Stranger Things? There's no skinwalkers in it. Yeah, but that's the other. That's the upside down. Yeah, and that's another example of this kind of idea throughout, you know... Do you know the Hadron Collider is doing that right now? Yeah. They're doing Stranger Things. This is a whole other topic, John. You're right. you're a year late, <laughs> two years late. I know. I just watched it. <laughs> well, that's actually <laughs> it's actually three just, years. That's late. Right, the first time you, you just watched it. That's funny. Well, we have a whole episode we were prepared to do about the actual story behind Stranger Things because it was based on the Montauk Project, right? Originally, which has and MK Ultra and MK Ultra, and it's the, there's this vast mythology behind it. So we're going to do an episode on that because it, it's fascinating because yeah, there's some reality behind that tale. Yeah, involving children, theft, and psychological experiments by the secret factions within the government military. Doesn't it seem like the Hadron Collider, like, similar ideas there? Oh, yeah, dude, there's so much like fascinating stuff. We did that CERN episode right. way back. I want to do another They're one. Messing. I have a feeling it's kind of based off something. Well, I think stuff. it definitely, I mean, even the, some of the scientists, or at least one of the scientists, uh, have come out and said, essentially, that, like, something could come through. Mm -hmm. And the idea of that they're, you know, opening kind of doorways, the whole possibly. Point. I think what's what some of them are trying to do. Right. Why do you think they had the ritual in the middle of the court, although some people said it was fake, but why would you do that? Why would you fake that? Oh, the ritual. And then there's the one fascinating thing, and this is a tangent, we'll okay, get off we're gonna in a get second. Off. But we're getting off. We're getting off, but right before I pull over, it's all right, it's a good topic. We did that episode, it was great. We should see what they're doing now there. We should sneak in, <laughs> Alex Jones style. Yeah. The, the most fascinating thing I thought was the uh, skins. There was a, an anecdote that came out about the collider. This was actually in the news or someone had talked about it. Uh, it wasn't just like gossip, but they had had these animal skins of sorts that were, mm -hmm. there's an image of it somewhere online. They were placed around the collider that had writings on it from like every language, ancient scripts. It just sounded like a scene from like 13 Ghosts or <laughs> That's what I was imagining. trying to summon something, right? You're sending out every language. It just sounds like magical, you know, mm -hmm. spells almost being sent through the, to pull something through. I mean, that's all crazy, yeah, but it's interesting. probably stick to the more believable stuff like fairies and mantis people. Yeah. Tha na duin ma chao. That's a very bad pronunciation of Gaelic for the good people are here. No. So other ways people would refer to them is themselves or they or them, um, which would be euphemistic for instead of saying oh, fairies. Right. Like they're here. Right, because it was unlucky, unlucky to use the word. And an interesting anecdote from this uh, encyclopedia of fairies from the 70s that I have, they also referenced that it is sometimes said that, quote, themselves or fairies are the souls of those drowned in Noah's flood, mm. which leads to multiple possible origins of fairies. Some people believe they're basically like withered versions of ancient deities that have been, you know, pushed out or the fallen angels is another idea. And some people thought that they're the souls of people that have died. Mm. And that based on a belief that your soul was a tiny person that came out your mouth when you slept. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually that's, true. That's adorable. And if, if it doesn't come back, you die. So there's a little man that leaves my mouth every night. Yep. Well, there is a little man inside Chris. We know that. We've oh, that yeah. Remember? No. He is the, well, there's a whole community in my tummy. <laughs> 
The mayor has the. Uh, th- this was that. Sounds really fantasy wrong. I used to have as a little child, where the mayor lived in my eyes and yeah. you'd see everything going on. And inside like that bu- town, it's like a Bud Light commercial. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> odd Bud Light commercial. <laughs> this Bud's for you, it's, Mayor Chris. Well, it's not Bud Light. It's the Bud. Um, those drink. Those like light cooler drinks that are Budweiser. Why does that relate to the? Because it's the exact same. There's a man that lives in the brain, and like there's oh, taste really? buds in the tummy, and they are all like, yay! <laughs> oh, weird. Well, the mine were actually people. Oh, okay. Well, Chris actually believed this was real for his early life. I don't think I believe it was just a story I would make up and tell myself every day. I had episodes. So every the day. mayor lived in your head. Yeah. Well, he no, he lived in my behind my eyeballs. So the, he had the penthouse. He had the ocular penthouse, and he could see out. And then uh, no one else in the world knew that they lived inside of a person, except for one boy. One boy knew in the in the city, right? One little special version of me lived inside my tummy town, and he knew the truth. Tummy town, wow! <laughs> the weirdest story. I had a lot That's of fun. Great though. I had a lot of fun. That's a lot of imagination. I had a lot of fun though. Chrisville. Chrisville. Is that what you called yeah. it? Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember if it had a name. You do have uh, universes living inside of you. I know. You know, there's a really good episode I'd love to do sometime on the macroverse or microverse, rather. The um, oh yeah, the idea that there are living inner space, inner space, exactly. Really fascinating stories about people's experience Dennis actually played. going into and communicating with things that live inside us at a at a molecular level. Conscious, really, really interesting stuff. Creatures, yeah, yeah, trillions of beings inside. Trillions of and trillions more of than beings. the entire. Debt of the United States. Of America. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was gonna make it real, John. <laughs> but I did want to say, Jeremy, because you mentioned that, like, the, kind of the poltergeist yes. aspect when you said that. Like, I made the joke; they're here. But it, it's true. Like, if you think and you think about like fairy, the idea of fairy lore, it didn't just mean these little creatures, these little you know hidden folk, depending right. on where you were. They would throw that out there for everything, like anything supernatural. That like the word for supernatural was oh, it was a fairy was thing. Um, people of the fairy faith. Oh, Celtic. Okay. Folklore. Specifically so like, the Celtic. For example, fairy lore explained poltergeist activity, explained... Well, here, let me re- read a quick little passage here. Uh, I thought this was interesting. And this comes from Where the Footprints End by Joshua Cutchin and Timothy Renner, but they have an interesting uh, chapter on fairy folklore related to Bigfoot, but we're not getting there tonight. Um, Among the scientifically inclined... Few topics are more anathema than fairies. In fact, leprechauns alongside unicorns are often presented as the types of creatures cryptozoologists should not waste their time on. By contrast, Bigfoot seems downright respectable. And I like this here because to give you a good outline here of the idea you're talking about, the idea in question from the very beginning of this episode and our prep for this episode, are fairies scary, right? Terror fairies. So they write here, popular culture has greatly sanitized fairies. Current notions of tiny ladies flitting through gardens bear little resemblance to the fairies of folklore. Wings, their most salient feature, debuted in late 18th century children's books. Pasteurized it. Exactly. In reality, older legends, collectively known as the fairy faith, represent them as Jenny Lacorum, land spirits of varying shapes and sizes. Other traditions suggest they are demons, fallen angels, or the dead. Legends commonly describe a visitor to fairyland who is urged to flee by another individual, typically the captive soul of a deceased friend or relative, lest they remain trapped in the other world forever. Mm. So yeah, definitely worse than death, I would say. But that idea, and that's why it connects so well, I think, to our episode today is because these aren't just the Disney sort of fairy sorts of creatures. We're talking all shapes and sizes. It's going to get into the Mantis Men. We're going to get into... The, uh, well, I've got a water witch. Yeah, I got a giant bird story too. But another bird. <laughs> when do we do birds? Birds are scary, man. I love big bird stories. Big birds Oh, man, are I missed our, our big bird story. We're in the closet. That was great. 
That wasn't what I was thinking. Quite. I might be referencing too much of our older episodes. Have some chapstick. That's what it was. Yeah, that was creepy. Yeah, it was. That was a listener stories, right? Mm-hmm. That was a creepy, one of the creepier mm-hmm. stories. And we had that one story that that one listener wrote in with the bird in the woods. Mm-hmm. That's like, the one I was thinking of. That was creepy too. Remember the one that was like they were driving or something? It was like slick. Standing outside of the road. Black. Yeah. Slick oil like black. Rain. Mm-hmm. It's like seven foot tall or something. That was listener stories as well. Yeah. The account we're getting into today is going to be more of a possible answer to missing 411. At least Mm. there is one man who believes that what he saw is a good explanation. So here's a couple things. The reason why we have missing 411 in the title is because this occurred to me a while back when I was reading that Encyclopedia of Fairies book. I found it fascinating. Like I was just doing it for an episode on the gnomes and the more I read, there was just all kinds of crazy interesting references. So I started noticing these things like the idea of, yeah, this thing being in, in the forest and then taking someone away, depending on what they were wearing or saying or doing, sometimes bringing them back. So some of these connections. So I found this article that someone else had broken this down after trying to Google this connection. And so these are some of the things that he also came across. One, so fairies use boulders, right? They mm-hmm. use um, stones to build their homes. And boulder fields are often sacred, but large stones, you know, natural structures. Super common in Iceland. The Hilda folk, like you're not even allowed to bulldoze in some areas without getting permission from the fairies. Exactly. The elves, rather. So th- this is a common idea with fae folk across the world, or fairies, uh, is that that's like their home. And oftentimes, Pilates have pointed out that there's something about boulder fields when people go missing right. in the woods, that there's a high frequency of clusters around areas where there are boulder fields, for instance. Interestingly, too, uh, national parks, specifically Yosemite, that's one that Pilates has talked about a lot. And according to the book from uh, Wentz, yeah, W.Y. Evan Wentz of 1911 um, wrote The Fairy Faith in Celtic Countries. He references that uh, Yosemite, he actually references that in there, that uh, there was a, supposed to be a large cluster of fairy oh, entities. Really? Yeah, according to experiences or the lore. And we do have some of the experiences coming up of fairies that I have come from a uh, appendix of like 500 stories, accounts, real accounts of Oh, the fairy, fairy census, encounters. right? The fairy census, it's called. I'll link that in the show notes. We're just going to pull some from that for today. But I found that fascinating, John, that there are that many encounters. It reminds me of the dog man. Like, you wouldn't think of it. But there's like five to 600 encounters. This world has more strange experiences than the, the grains of sand on a beach. <laughs> yes, John. Hey, you got it right the first time this time. <laughs> yeah, that that's actually a hard one. <laughs> so some of the other connections are, oh, disappearances near water, right? That's a very common theme. That's... That's pretty bland, though. I, I, yeah, I understand you saying that. Uh, but water's everywhere. Specifically, inexplicable drownings, for instance, when mm-hmm. people are found in the water, and yet there's no water in their lungs. There's no understandable cause of death, no discern right, cause right, of death, right, like right, right, right. N- not hypothermia, nothing, just uh, passed away. A lot of these strange things. Here's an interesting one. Return to previously searched spot. It's like missing 401. I've hunted. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm listing here are these things that connect to right. that. Uh, so... The idea that these reports and encounters are being taken away to a fairy realm or this parallel dimension, right, where these entities live and then brought back, they're discovered oftentimes in the same place that was previously searched, sometimes alive, sometimes deceased. But that could explain that, you know, instant disappearance. They look for them, look for days, look the same area, then they come back and they're found again. Mm -hmm. This kind of blip in and out of of that reality. Another thing is uh, being found dazed and confused, right? Sometimes when they do survive, they have no memory of the account. And this is an excerpt from that Faith and Fairies book. And this will sound very much like Missing 4 and 1 if you follow that phenomenon. Persons in a short trance state of two or three days duration are said to be away with the fairies enjoying a festival. The festival may be very material in its nature, or it may be purely spiritual. Sometimes one may thus go to a fairy for an hour or two, 
or one may remain there for seven, 14, or 21 years. The mind of a person coming out of a fairyland is usually blank as to what has been seen and done there. So that comes from that book, and it reminds me of at least several of the missing 401 encounters that I've heard of where they have survived. They have no recollection of what happened while they were gone. Even that recent one with the guy who was skiing, like that, I think he was right. a fireman or something that he was found in California. How do they How do they know that, though, if no one ever comes back and yeah. remembers anything? Specifically with the fairies? Yeah. That's just part of the lore with fairies, because oh, they're okay. having people come back and talked about what they experienced, which was this, these fairy-type things. Gee, it sure is a great excuse if you lived in, I don't know, 16th century Ireland and you had a lady on the side every weekend you come back home you're like, I don't know where I was I think I was in fairyland <laughs> I think it was fairyland <laughs> I can't remember but they're also said to come out during uh, bad weather the fairies mm -hmm. and we have so, so many examples of missing 401 when the weather gets bad like immediately like following a storm yes exactly like winter storm like any kind of any storm, kind of storm. Even yeah. fog, right? We've covered that fog, that phenomenon from the 40s. Things fog. that make it hard to search right. for the person. It seems to inexplicably happen directly after. Mm. Uh, and sometimes in a way that like there was no weather called for, that kind of thing, and it just comes out of nowhere. And the idea that some of these fairies have control, and it sounds so silly to say like these fairies like taking it seriously. It does. But if we just forget, if we just shovel off this idea of the, you know, happy little Tinkerbell fairy and just consider that these are other entities out there. Yeah. Strange creatures that live alongside us in different dimensions. Just imagine that and then consider that they are stealing these people, bringing them back, doing what they will, that there might be something to that fairy lore. Yeah, we've just been conditioned, I think, to think of fairies as these benign, friendly little sprites when there's so much more lore involving darkness. Yes. Not to say they're all bad. I'm sure there's good guys out there too. If you guys haven't seen The Hunted... Check it out. Yeah. Missing 411. Excellent it's movie. Really well done. Shout out to my buddy, Brian, who recommended it to me. I hope you're doing well, buddy, in your area of the country, which is insane. Oh, yeah. He lives out on the coast, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a great film. It really is. It's, yeah. it's very mysterious. Well, David Play's work is excellent when it comes to this stuff. Mm -hmm. he's, he's done so much building this uh, database of inexplicable disappearances. Yeah, he does a really good job of pulling all that information together. Yeah. We did an episode a while back, but it was an earlier one, and we're, we're going to do another one for sure. But, yeah, it's really interesting stuff, and we'll link some of that in the show notes, too, if you guys want to follow up more on that. Let's take a break. Let's take a break, and we come back, we're going to get more into some Terra Fairies as well as some other strange entities. So forgetting the fairy aspect, but these other things that you could consider another kind of hidden folk, whether it's a mantis-like seven-foot-tall creatures that people have experienced in long rivers, and just so many, many more. And they're coming up. Giant birds. Yes, Chris, your giant birds are coming. All right, so stay tuned, guys. And we got Rick Rick Stinger coming up. Oh, yeah. Too. Rick Stinger will be coming up, so thank you, Rick. All right, guys, we'll see you soon. Preview Mysterious Recordings Access Granted Samurais We've we've talked about this before uh, We might have mentioned Ron Moorhead before Because since this experience he's written a couple books This started in the 1970s When this took place This comes from Distinctly Montana Magazine in 1971, Al Barry, a skeptical reporter investigating the Bigfoot phenomenon, and his buddy Ron Moorhead were hunting in the Sierra Nevada mountains in California. 
One evening, they were setting up camp for the night somewhere between Lake Tahoe and Yosemite National Park when they woke up to hear some genuinely bizarre cries. In Barry's words, quote, As dusk became dark night, something approached camp from a ridge above, wrapping on wood or rocks as it came. And when it arrived, two voices that I could discern, it vocalized, and the sounds carried through the trees as I have never heard human voices carry ever before or since. And it whistled, a clear, beautiful whistle like a bird might make, between its friend, and at one point, back and forth with us. According to Barry, this went on for some time. This encounter went on for nearly an hour and a half, and another followed on the second night, and there were other encounters I can attest to later that season. I was able to get reasonably good tape recordings of the sounds and interaction, and we cast several of the foot impressions both in pine mat and snow. I looked high and low for evidence of the joke, including searching the other's belongings while they were away hunting. I wasn't a novice investigator of facts, but I came home stumped, basically with nothing to write about until the story unraveled itself after further research and investigation. The strange vocalizations became known to some as the samurai sounds, due to an almost uncanny resemblance to the expressive style favored in old samurai films like those by Kurosawa. Experts have studied the audio, and many claim that the human vocal cords could not produce the noises. Well, you kind of produced it and reproduced it there, Jared. It wasn't bad. Case closed. Before we get into the what the professional crypto-linguist had to say about it, once he heard it, let's play the clip. This is the call and response. Haunting. But there's way more to it than just those vocalizations. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a fun one. Welcome back. All right, so Jeremy, you have yeah. a story for us. I have several Finally, stories. God, yes. I didn't wonder if we were ever going to get to any All this, fun stories. We had to add. We had to build it up with a little corroboration. Oh, all the history needs to happen. <laughs> John is just fat. <laughs> he's a real student of history. A, a lover. I'm a lover of history. I want stories, says John. I want red cap. <laughs> we, we did red cap. I want it again. All right, maybe we'll circle back. Okay. Just kidding. So let's do our first story. <laughs> Is it a scary story? It's a scary story of uh, Terra fairies. So this story comes from the uh, fairy census that we'll have linked in the show notes, which is a fascinating resource. What I love about it is, yeah, it's a tome of uh, stories, encounters throughout a century or more, but a lot of modern accounts too. And what's cool is just like when we did that episode on the uh, near-death experiences, there was that database where they had a survey right. on their site. And whenever someone filled out a form about a story or someone was questioned, the questionnaire had specific things that you could cross-correlate, attributes of the story. So this first story that I've titled Tiny Taps of the Mummy Fairy comes from Massachusetts by a fella in uh, 2010 
He was somewhere between 21 and 30 years old. They kind of give you a range of the age, I think, for anonymity. But it'll give you uh, details like what time of day. This happened between 9 p.m. and 12 a.m., so in the, obviously in the evening to overnight. Another interesting thing about these experiences is oftentimes they'll experience a, uh, a prickly sensation, either before oh, like or... A tingly or prickly? A tingly. Yeah, yeah tingly, prick, prickly kind of thing. Prickly. Almost like the hackles uh, on your hackles. back would stand up. Would it, yeah, would it be hackles? like uh, goosebumps? Yeah. Goosebumpies? It'd be goosebumpies, yeah. <laughs> Goose pimples. Hackles are like, I just found this out talking to Jennifer, listener of the show, that hackles are the things that when dogs get freaked mm-hmm. out, that, that stands up. It's almost like a erectile... Uh, dorsal, you know, fear boner. Sure, yeah, it's their fear boner on top of their on top of their back. Weird. I'm gonna think differently when I'm petting your dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's gross. Okay. Anyway, those are the hackles. But anyways, that's something that they experience oftentimes before or after a, a fairy encounter encounter of these kinds of entities. So this happens in this case. So John, would you like to read this story? Oh, absolutely, would Jeremy? Awesome. It'd mean the world to me. Great. So this is anonymous, <laughs> uh, but just for the sake of conversation, I added the word Sam. Uh, for the fiance in the story. What am I reading? It's called Tiny Taps of the Mummy Fairy. Tiny Taps. My fiance Sam and I were in our bedroom just relaxing for the night. I wish I had a girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) I know how you feel. I was sitting on the end of our bed and Sam was next to me. The whole week we had heard weird noises outside our house at night, as did Sam's mother, who lives upstairs. They were weird animal noises, it would seem, but we went outside and found nothing. Anyway, I was playing around on my phone, probably on Facebook, Zuckerberg, (laughs) when I heard a knock on the window as if a small bird or a bat flew into it. I approached the window and I saw something strange. Sam saw it momentarily before it just vanished. It appeared to me like a small person, no more than anywhere from two to five inches in length. Only it looked very shriveled and mummy-like. I often think about it and bring it up to Sam, and to this day, Sam just changes the subject. It either flew into my window or it tapped on it, almost like a small, dark, kind of mummified person, almost of evil nature. It was a small humanoid with wings. The wings were dragonfly-like. Fairies are supernatural beings of nature or evil. <laughs> I gotta just throw that in there like a fact. I'm just puzzled and want to know more. So I think the last couple comments there mm-hmm. are part of this questionnaire they have to fill oh, out when they okay. submit the report. That's probably a response to what do you think about this entity overall? What do you right. think about fairies in general? Um, so that he weird. obviously thinks they might be evil in nature. It's always weird when someone, they don't either just outright say that's ridiculous mm-hmm. or they believe it. The people that just refuse to talk about it or change the subject, that's the most fascinating to me because it's a little red flag. Like there's something un- that unsettled them to yeah, a degree sure. where they don't want to talk about it. Under their skin. Yeah. Like something did happen to it's them. It's like they're blocking it out because it's too scary to right. process. It's, it doesn't fit into the psychology of their brain yeah, or their right. worldview. Spatula's in the ceiling. Yep. Blocking it out for your own protection. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move along. So this next one, I titled it, It Was Watching from the River. Now, this is an interesting story, and I have a little short corroboration after the fact. Uh, Chris, if you want to read this one, this comes from North Carolina, and she witnessed this in uh, somewhere in 2010s, uh, 2010, 2015, and she's somewhere in her 30s. Okay. All right, so let's, let's give this one a go. This chilled me to the bone. I was on a rock in the river reading while my husband fished upriver. I was across from a park where people were walking with kids and dogs. There were two young boys walking on the trail with their dad. 
they began moving down towards the water when it started coming up the river, moving through the water towards them. It was pale-skinned and looked waterlogged, with black hair and sharp, serrated teeth showing in a smile. Nasty. It paid me no attention, but was focused on the boys. They were pointing at it with sticks and could absolutely see it. The dad finally ushered them away from the edge of the river, seemingly unaware of it being feet from his kids. Mm. It's interesting that the kids saw it, but the dad didn't. It's creepy. It watched them move up the trail away with a creepy look on its face and then moved on upriver and out of sight. It did not look friendly to me. I have seen them since childhood, different ones, and was told that's what they are, fairies. My granny from Ireland says I have, quote, the sight, like her. I believe they are beings from another world that sometimes share our world with us and can have good or bad intentions. I was always taught to never talk to them or let them know I see them. I've read that a lot in mm-hmm. fairy lore. Like you basically ignore I them. I knew that would trigger you. Know. you. It's, it's, it kind of reminds me of like a ghost. You don't give it power. They were more familiar with here, a spirit in a home. Mm-hmm. You just ignore it and hopefully it'll go away. The more you try to connect with it, buy it little gifts and put it on the mantle. Yeah. These are things you don't do, whether it's a fairy or a poltergeist, you know, you don't want to. Because you could to. be inviting something that you right. don't want in your life. Just that, con- that visualization of uh, these two little boys playing by the river and this yeah. thing you know, with black hair, sharp teeth, black eyes, just smiling. Wet and matted. Like kind of floating to them in the wake. It was pale, right? And then the kids obviously seeing them pointing sticks and the dad's like, oh, come on boys, but not being aware of what's, like what if the dad wasn't there? Is this thing wanting to feed? Would it have taken them into this this world where the father can't see? Sure sounds like it. Yeah. Careful around that water, boys. Terrifying. That was a good one. Thanks. Okay, so... What was interesting about the story is that, have you heard of the Bion Fion? No. This is the water witch. This is oh. an actual thing. And John, this... Well, like they caught one? If you Google that, you will see this guy. This little lady here. Oh. That Doesn't that look Frightful. exactly what they described? Um, yeah. Like long stringy hair, sharp Although teeth. It didn't say humanoid, did it? Because that sure is humanoid. I think black hair... Sharp serrated teeth showing a smile, pale skin looked waterlogged. I mean, if this in human form is what right, this would look right. like, well, this kind yeah, of water witch. It's kind of like skulking through the yeah. reeds there. So this is uh, skulking. This is from a number of a class of fairies called drowning fairies. Mm-hmm. And some examples of this are Peg Prowler, Jenny Green Teeth, and Water Leaper. And these are uh, kind of like um, Peg Prowler, often told as like children's stories. In fairy lore, known as a nursery boggles, um, but they're a series of creepy sprites. Um, and officially, they would pull kids down to their watery de- deaths, essentially. But then some people suggest, well, they're just told to scare, you know, mm-hmm. scare kids from going, you know, into dangerous areas. But if that's true, then how do we have this? Uh, assuming the story is real, uh, it sounds a lot more like this could be a real thing that they are warning their children against. Yeah, right. That they could be these things that pull people down. What is the what is the, is Celtic or Norse mythology the thing? It's a water horse kind of thing forget the term the knocking is the uh, is that what it is well that's the Norwegian is that the one where they it turns into a horse so the riders will jump on it and then it'll drag them into the water and drown, and drown them, them? I yeah. forget which one that is somebody will write in about There's it that might be Irish a series of these called like the neck or the the knocking mm-hmm. knocking's Norwegian and then there's the the Vadian Noy if I pronounce that right in Slavic it's this little guy here I have this picture in the show notes Aww. essentially like a frogman a frogman or a man that's amphibious like web feet web toes and there's been encounters that describe this kind of creature, but the idea that he can pull people in and drown them or take them as slaves into his underwater uh, habitat. habitat. Yes. 
anyways, these kind of corroborations are just interesting when you connect it to people with supposedly real experiences. All right, so why don't we get to the uh, the gnome's treasure of the episode, if you will, which is your story, Chris. This is a story you've been trying to tell for a long time on the show, and every time it comes up, you say, oh, I want to tell the story sometime, right. but I'm just going to reference it briefly here because it has to do with people going missing and... The Colored Socks of Silhouette story? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, this one we have been trying to do for... If anybody, this sounds familiar for anybody, you've probably heard us kind of recap this briefly in previous episodes, like our gnome episode, I think the Missing 4 and 1, and even the Halloween episode we did last year. But this is a fascinating account, and so I'm glad we actually get to go into it on this episode. So I call this Sock Sneakers. And what did you just say? Sock Sneakers. Okay. In hindsight, that's a very bad title. <laughs> it's <laughs> just kind of confusing. Are those like socks you wear in your sneakers? Very bad. Color Craving Teeth Nashers of the Other World. So, as we've mentioned already before, cultures throughout the ages from all the dark corners of our world have told strikingly similar stories of a race of beings that live just on the other side of our reality. And we covered these in the previous episodes. But each group, although separated by vast distances, share many strange traits. They are said to live underground, as well as in the hidden world, and have a predilection for the abduction of humans, which goes into our episode today. One very unique yet common theme between some of these mysterious peoples seems to be a strange connection to bright colors. Mm. This is the crux of our story that takes place in Siloasi. Jerry, will you begin with the connection that ties fairy lore into our Siloasi story? Oh, I absolutely will. This comes from the fairy faith in Celtic countries. W.Y. Evans Wentz. In the neighborhood of Snowdon, the fairies were believed to live beneath the lakes, from which they sometimes come forth, especially on misty days. And children used to be warned not to stray away from their homes in that sort of weather, lest they should be kidnapped by them. These fairies were great thieves, and they were fond of bright colors. They were sharp of hearing, and no word that reached the wind would escape them. Yeah, there's the, the colors. colors. Yeah, mm-hmm. and again, as we talked about before, the weather, that fog. It's funny because that fog is even going to tie into the end of the episode with the stories of the mantis men. Ooh, personal close encounters with mantis men. Mantis men. You're talking about like real life size mantis people. Oh huh? yeah. But let's stick with the let's okay. stick with these teeth gnashing silhouettes. We'll get creatures. into those. Some real creepy stuff. So, in modern times, we find this warning of wearing bright colors while in the wilderness repeated in the jungles of Siloasi. A bizarre and horrifying account was first reported on Whitley Strieber's Unknown Country. A man named Alan Lammers claimed to have had a paradigm-shifting experience when he traveled to Sandu Batu in South Siloasi. When he arrived, he was told there was a strict dress code held by the culture of people he would be working with on the island. It was curious, but simple enough to follow. Don't wear bright colors in the jungle. Only white or black should be worn, and black was preferred. At first, he just found this intriguing, but when he asked why, he was given a grave warning. People who wear bright colors will disappear. When he arrived, he began hearing stories of people vanishing in the forest, and at an unusually high frequency, even for the jungle. Alan reported his experience while working in Siloasi, and his statement is as follows. We got to the village and everyone wore black. The villagers verified that people do indeed disappear, but this village would not say why. When we got there, we rested, met with the leaders of the village, and about 10 of us proceeded to go into the jungle to witness the illegal logging that was occurring there. The villagers wanted to show us the damage. 
One of my friends didn't listen or understand the warning and wore yellow socks. We did our tour and returned. He was strangely quiet. That night he became extremely ill. I had never seen a person projectile vomit that hard. He had an extreme fever also. We nursed him and about a day later he returned to his healthy self. Then he told us what happened. He said something had bitten him on his calf and then thigh. He showed us the marks, they were huge scratches. He said he couldn't see what was attacking him and then he didn't want to tell us what happened because he was embarrassed. The villagers stood around us with these knowing looks while we looked at the marks. I asked them what it was. They didn't want to say, but they said he was very lucky. Usually people disappear. I was stunned. It was not a taboo. It was a serious threat. So time passes and Alan hears of a strange account of a group of people that had disappeared within the jungle. Five people had left for a three-day hike in the mountains about an hour out of town. After a week, the concern among friends and family had reached a tipping point, and they begin a campaign of a massive search to scour the mountain. Finally, after nearly a month, they discovered one of the five. He was severely emaciated, but somehow he had survived. He couldn't remember what happened to his group or how they were separated, but shortly after his rescue, he shut down completely. It became obvious that something had psychologically traumatized him to the point where he stopped speaking for two months. Eventually, he did speak. What follows is Alan's report. I found out that while on the hike with his friends, he kept seeing what the Bugis call Jin Kirkaki. It means little demon people. These things do what is called penkalikan, or abduction. No one knows why they do this, but sometimes there are those that turn up after being taken. The reports of these strange people or creatures who do this are always the same. They have a small nose and their eyes are small and black, but their mouths are very broad and resemble a grimace. Ew. And then he steals your hamburgers. <laughs> what is that? The, the grabbler? Hamburger. Grimace is the other guy. Oh, Grimace is the big purple guy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> sound quite as scary as these things. Pretty scary though in real life. The young man was the only one who could see them out of the five who had vanished. During the hike, he would briefly catch a glimpse of them as their numbers grew. However, when he would try to point them out to the others, none of them could see. Creepy this reminds me of Carla's story a little bit in a weird way. Yeah, it's something in the, in the jungle. Nature the spirits, yeah. Then he began to see strange animals that he didn't recognize as native to the area, or to anywhere for that matter. These animals were the size of horses with enormous antlers. He witnessed herds of them along the mountainside. He could not understand where they came from or why there were so many. They are not an animal indigenous to the area. There is no such known animal that big known to exist in Sulawesi. Yeah, that visual to me is pretty incredible, if true. This idea that there's this person who's going out with these people and then seeing these people with these big grimacing faces, seeing these alien-looking antlered creatures wandering around him and no one is seeing any of this stuff except for him. Bizarre. Yeah. It's like he's being taken into this other realm, which mm -hmm. reminds me of that sort of like theory the, idea. Yeah, like the reality is thinning and it's he's passing through. Yeah, it's all because of those damn socks. Um, <laughs> so then during his interview with Whitley Strieber, John's uh, abductee partner. Um, <laughs> he just guided me. Alan says, quote, There is something taking these people, Whitley. 
Something terrible and evil in Siloesi. The people of Siloesi have come to terms with it and have tried to adapt themselves to deal with whatever it is. It has gone on long enough to bend culture. Yeah. I mean, that sounds familiar. Yeah. That happens in so many places. It just makes me think of Iceland. It's probably a groundhog. <laughs> probably just a misidentified... It's probably an anteater or a groundhog or a balloon. <laughs> probably some kind of... It's swamp gas. Rodent swamp of gas, sorts. A rodent maybe mixed with a... With a wind balloon of some sort. A wind balloon from Venus. That's what's interesting is the idea of a changing culture over time. Mm-hmm. We, we always talk about that. There's this idea that the culture, like you might have this in some other land, there's a dance attributed to this creature, this mask, and it's just supposed to be an archetype right. or whatever. But it's interesting the idea that accounts actually happened. These th- reports were told way back when. And then those yeah. those traditions reflecting these kinds of entities developed after a real account. Exactly. That's darn possible. Darn it's possible. Definitely true. And the interesting connection, again, with the missing four and one, the, the bright colors is a typical thing that Politus has talked about, where certain people have gone missing wearing mm-hmm. a bright colored thing. And then, um, which of course you could say, well, maybe they were easier to spot as mm-hmm. a predator because of the, the bright clothing. But the other aspects of being found with clothing turned inside out, maybe to mute the, the colors of the clothing. <laughs> yeah. w- one thing. The David Pleiades mentioned where he talks about this idea of the the spirits, the the bright colors being attracted. It's mm-hmm. not just in Indonesia or Sil- Sulawesi, like we talked about, but also Hawaii. Hawaii and Indonesia, yeah. There's right. the accounts of the uh, that you shouldn't wear the bright colors, right? Because they attract these kinds of spirits, right. right? Like we mentioned before, reading this this account, you know, in, in Ireland, the same idea with the Fae folk, mm-hmm. the bright colors. I did like the idea of the turning clothes inside out. Yeah, could ward off fairies. That was an idea, right? Um, and there's something about this. Uh, like oftentimes with Missing 4 and one you have reports of people face down and naked, mm-hmm. right, being discovered, which is a common thing in, in fairy tradition, right? This idea of... Uh, well, that was specifically the, the spirits on some of these island nations where mm-hmm. you have spirits that are offended by... Oh, right. Bright colored clothing. So you would take off your clothing and lay face down and you a lot of people are found That's like in face Hawaii. down with their clothes removed right. or turned inside out. It's interesting too, because uh, I did find one account that we'll save for another episode, but it's about the escape from a fairy realm. And one of the things that they mention that corroborates that is once the person is rescued, the rescuer put his jacket or coat garment on the woman that he was rescuing. And after that, they could no longer take her. There was something about the clothes, oh, interesting. Yeah. something about fabrics or or things from this realm that are material. Like they don't wash with that other realm. Right. They don't blend well. So they, they resist that kind of uh, the ability for the entities to access them from the other realm. Yeah. That's an idea. Well, think it's about kind of Terminator when he arrives, you know, he's naked and all curled up. Yeah. Cause yeah, you can't the, go through time without taking her clothes It's just too warm in that time tunnel. I guess. You know, gotta strip it down. Mm. Arnold style. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. Do you guys want to take a break? When we come back, we'll get into some bird monstrosity and some mantis men. Oh, mantis people. Mayhem of the darkness. Sounds good. We'll be back in a minute.
Hourglass. We are brought back. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. We got a little announcement before we jump into these last few stories here. Yes, sir. We are going to be taking a break. We mentioned that earlier in the episode, but through this upcoming month of January, we will be off of doing uh, main episode releases. But if you are a patron or a member, then you will be receiving bonus content. You can sign up at our website, go to bleepful.com and click on the Patreon button. Um, we're going to be doing uh, our live streams. Yeah, at least three crazy live streams over the break. three awesome, fun live streams. Members only. Come join the fun. We also have a... Ton- <laughs> it's so fun. Come join the Come fun. join... No, it really is a lot of fun. Come join the fun. There you go. We did a couple of them before and they were a blast. So we're looking forward to that. We're going to have a new stage we're building in our apartment. And it's going to yeah, be all room. Beautiful and mysterious looking. The first one of which of these live streams will be on January 6th at 7 p.m. That is a Wednesday. So if you uh, sign up for the expansion level tier uh, as a patron slash member, uh, you will have access and we will love to see you there. We will can talk to each other, hang out. Bring your fun you? hats. We're going to be doing, a, <laughs> we're going to be covering some weird, uh, freaky videos. We're also going to be talking about anything current going on in the paranormal world. We should probably talk about those monoliths that are appearing everywhere. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I feel like things can move so fast now. Yeah, we're a little late to the game on that, but definitely want to No, it's it. still expanding though. Like What? There are developments. They're all over the place now. What? You didn't know that? Leave that for a moment. Like pimples on a teenager. I know, Did you not know that? I know they took the other one away. No, you haven't heard about that they're appearing no, all over the No, save it. Let's save it for this. That's why the story is continuing, continuing to evolve. Developing. There is a ton of new information coming out about UFOs and aliens. Like there, yeah. There's a lot of people that think that this is right on the horizon. Oh, like this is part of a signaling? You know, I've been wanting to do a, a catch up on what's been going on with UFOs this entire season. You guys didn't want to have it. You want to talk about UFOs? I think UFOs? it's reaching a breaking point. It's I mean, been there's reaching so much, a breaking point. Okay, well, let's save this. Yeah, we can you talk wanna, about it more. If you want to talk with us yes. uh, it, during sign a live stream up. while we go over this stuff, give us your opinions and stuff, sign up, go to bleefful.com. Become a holer. Become a, become a beliefling or a holer, <laughs> <laughs> belief warrior, and uh, check out our expansion episodes. We've got 30 to 40 episodes on there now of bonus content that you can check out the backlog and enjoy. We have archived episodes as well from our first season that we've removed that are earliest stuff that's rough but fun. Um, it's so yeah. a treasure trove of fun yeah, stuff. Get, get deep in the hole. Join us there. And help support our show grow. And thank you to all who have. And yes, you guys will, have been great. We'll be reading our new patrons coming up here. Uh, but first, let's do a couple yeah, more let's, stories, let's finish guys. finish off this actual episode. Uh, we, we got a little bit in the weeds. <laughs> what was that? We got a little bit in the weeds, <laughs> but I, overall, I thought it was good. It was good. It was a good time. Well, if we want to talk about potentially what might be responsible for some of these mysterious abductions in our forests around the world, yeah, there's some other characters besides fairies that we could look into. Well, absolutely there are. The first one I thought would be fun to start off with is uh, a creature we're very familiar with, and if you'd heard our Snallygaster expansion, we did it pretty heavily, a deep dive into Thunderbird myth. This kind of ties into that. This is uh, an account given by someone who comes on a Mysterious Universe site and brought to us by the author Brent Swanser. And I thought this was a, a good story. Cool. Okay, this is in regards to what he, you know, what's going on with the missing form, what's taking people. He says, I'm pretty sure I know what it is, and I'm sure it's also responsible for some of the National Forest missing adults. If these disappearances have anything to do with what I saw in 2006 in Colorado, less than one mile outside of Pike National Forest, then it's likely that the same thing is responsible for the cattle mutilations as well. It was a bird, and it was massive. I startled it off my roof by stepping outside onto my front porch in the middle of the night. 
I had no idea there was anything there, but when the door slammed behind me, I heard a scrabbling sound, as if there were a small rock slide directly above me. I covered my head with my arms and tried to duck under the eaves when I heard a rippling sound, almost exactly like the sound one of those huge flags make when a sudden strong gust of wind unfurls it. Then there was a boom, a percussive boom that my eardrums felt to the point where I started to lose my balance and fall backwards. That's when a huge shadow passed overhead. From one and a half stories above me, clearing 50 foot tall trees in the front yard. The shape of the shadow most resembled a vulture, and I can't conceive of the wingspan being less than 20 feet. As it glided up, it screamed, a pulsating croak. Not sure quite how to describe it. It was not a sound I have ever heard before. Oddly, it didn't seem to have flapped its wings again. I refused to think about it for about a year because it was so ridiculously improbable. When an inspection of the roof occurred, the comment was, quote, it looks like Freddy Krueger attacked your roof. Oh, weird. Along with the gashes, there were a few puncture holes as well. So I started researching and haven't stopped. I just thought that was an interesting account. I could just hear that specific description about the um, scrabbling on the roof as if it was a small rock slide. Right. I imagine this giant lumbering bird. Lumbering talon bird, like kind of trying not to slip down. The, what does that remind me of? There was a movie where they're, it's falling. It's this thing with claws and it's and the the shingles of the roof are falling and they, they pull it and it's like scrabbling. Oh, some sort of dragon. Oh, what movie was that? that? Dragonheart with uh, Dennis Quaid? It might have been, dra- or might have been uh, <laughs> Rain of Fire with... Uh, oh, no, I, it wouldn't have been that. Yeah. Anyways... Anyways. You're welcome for that little uh, yeah. <laughs> sidewinding anecdote. Yeah, I just thought it was kind of a kind of a fun story. Yeah, terrifying to th- consider there might be some birds that size well, out there. A lot of missing people experiences have been attributed to like large eagles and these right. kinds of things. Nothing quite that expansive. That definitely fall under the category of thunderbird. Yeah, from what I understand, there's no eagles that are able to pick up a small like a child and carry them off very far. Like you mm-hmm. have accounts of you know large eagles and things trying to pick it like right. a a toddler or something. But those golden eagles that will pick up goats and throw them off the side of cliffs so they can eat them. Yeah, but they can't carry them for long periods. It's just kind of a grab and pull them off their center balance. So mean. It's very mean, but they got to eat. It's life, John. Okay. It's pretty mean. Terrifying way to go, though. It's a giant eagle throw yeah. you off the side of a cliff. I was enjoying my hike. <laughs> you know what's scarier, though, than birds? Bugs. <laughs> Mantises. Well, if they're big bugs. Yes. I'm very familiar with mantises. Well, like, uh, how big are we talking here? I'm talking a seven-footer. <gasps> That's not even a bug anymore. No, it's, it's a, a bug man. It's an alien. It's a mantis man. And mantis man. <laughs> Anywho, yes. <laughs> so, the, yeah, there are, this is mantis man. it's one of those things that sounds so crazy. And it's just, anytime, we talked about this before, anytime you put man after it, you mm-hmm. know, like if you'd say uh, a mantoid, also sounds silly. <laughs> it all sounds um, silly. But, I, you know, there are these things that can camouflage. That's what the alien race calls us. These silly mantoids. They say humanoids. They say skin suits. Manoids. Manoids. Graboids. That's it. That's what we'll call them. <laughs> Graboid. That's it. Graboid. Jesus, Walter. We're going to be sorry. Don't give it a name. You heard that from Charmers? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I made me think uh, we need a term for these invisible entities. People mm-hmm. call them ITEs, these things in the woods that camouflage. Yeah. I, from here on out, will refer to them as invisoids. Oh, boy. I think that's an in- awesome. How about invisoids? Invisoids. Just a different pronunciation. Yeah. Invisoids? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, that's what we'll call them from now on. Anyways, this is a real phenomenon. These things camouflaging, disappearing, and this is coming up in this mantisoid story. Mantoid. 
By the way, we will be doing a future episode involving some pretty incredibly fun oh, yeah. mantis stories. You previewed these for me, and I wanted to include them in this episode. But involving we... very cute, cuddly tripod creatures, but I'm saving it. because well, The situation is so bizarre how this story so, comes But it's, it's really, it's well told. So I'm going to save it for when we come back next season and do an extreme cryptids episode, do some more of these mantis sort of things. And yeah, pretty great. Parallel reality creatures. But let's get into these mantis stories. All right. Our first one comes from a man named Paul Jacks. Good name. An avid fisherman who had an experience in the spring of 2006. And we're going to link in the show notes where you can watch these, the interviews with these two mantis witnesses. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and tell Paul Jacks' experience here. This takes place in New Jersey, in Hackettsville, I believe. And there's been a slew of sightings there. And these are two of them. Jerry, you want to take go us away? Jerry. Go, Jerry. Sure. So on this particular day, my boss said... Why don't we just try going over to the Kong? I had never been there before. It was a creepy place. It's not completely in the wilderness, but when you're in the river very often, you're in a tunnel almost because of all the brush and branches. When we entered the river, my boss asked me, Which way do you want to go? I said, This place. It's just way weird. I'll go upstream. So after whispering to my boss, I started moving, wading across the river and down. That's when I saw the movement. When I first saw the creature, I was like, what, what the heck is that? This thing had the skin of a snake. Where our abdomen is and where all our organs are, it had a very narrow core. The creature's eyes were black, very large, but set in the front, so it had binocular vision. Mm. This thing seemed to be very concerned with me. I sensed astonishment, whether it was because I was in the water, whether it knew that I could see it. It was very aware that I was aware of it, and that seemed to concern it, because it never took its eyes off me. It was moving up the bank away from me, but looking back over its left shoulder directly at me. Creepy. This thing was fading very quickly as it moved up the bank, and all that time never took its eyes off me. It was one, two, three, gone. It vanished completely. But I'm sure that it was still there. Ooh, yuck. Maybe you question yourself, you know, did this really happen? But, but it, it did. did. Oh, it did. It did. Thank you, uh, Paul Jacks, for being brave and sharing your mantis encounter story. That would be pretty terrifying. Yeah, I just picture that, like, it locked eyes, never let go. Yeah. And the idea of it, like, almost being, like, embarrassed or concerned that he could see it like Surprise. normally you can't see me why can you see me and then right. just like as he leaves away and starts to camouflage he looks back over his shoulder yeah. and it's just staring staring at him yeah get eyes. out of my river praying mantis man why don't you quit being such a dung beetle <laughs> hey that's offensive to them that's the worst <laughs> insult for the mantis people uh for the mantoids you're being a real dung beetle right now man rick stop being a dumb beetle dung what did i say dumb beetle yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're a dumb beetle all right, next story. So the next story is interesting. It's another mantis sighting, but what's fascinating about it is that it is in the same location mm -hmm. by another witness who is not in any way connected with our first witness, Paul. This is a guy by the name of Joe Parenti. Uh, he's a businessman from New Jersey, uh, the Garden State. Born and raised in around this area, around the river. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he had recently built a vacation home near the Muscatong River. Yeah. Muscatong. 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 How do you pronounce that? Muscatong. Muscatong. And this was All his right. experience there. My brother and I fished there for many years, 15 years, and we never saw anything unusual. On this occasion, we started in the early morning. We went to Stevens Park, 
and we went to the small batch of islands that's in the middle of the river. My brother stood downstream like a boss. I stole, <laughs> I stood a little upstream, and we threw our lines in the water. Something was off right away. I noticed some humming, and I noticed a lot of tingling sensations in my body. I caught, from the corner of my eye, a creature that was seven feet tall, brown and black scaled, looking down at me, but yet with the head sort of tilted, moving its mouth. Its mouth was straight out of a nightmare. I was so scared. I was so damn scared to see those mandibles moving up and down. And then I realized this is no joke. It turned to sheer panic. When I saw the mantis man, I was so scared. It was the eyes. His dark eyes were just so intense. I believe it could kill me. It looked like it had wings, and it opened up and opened its chest. The creature showed me the width of its chest and how strong he could be, and that was completely terrifying. I was getting the sense that this creature was sucking information right out of me before I was even thinking it. Suddenly there was a fog that kind of came through, and it was nothing but steam. There's that fog again. And then it cleared. It was gone. I couldn't control myself. I lost grip of my bodily functions, and I felt like throwing up. My brother doesn't know what to make of it. He knows that something must have disturbed me greatly if you're going to crap yourself right there in the middle of a stream. I mean, come on. Wow. Yeah, you got to be pretty disturbed. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't happen unless you're turned into a little kid full of fear. Mm-hmm. First incontinent. I was very afraid that this creature was going to come back, that it wanted something for me, that it would cause some type of harm to myself or to my brother. So I said, let's get out of here. And that was when we got out and I didn't look back. Yeah, smart. I wouldn't look back either. Thinking about like how it's showing you its chest. Yeah, like, this is... It's freaky. Here you go, John. This will be in the show notes. This is what a mantis does oh, when it's dude. threatened and it sounds just like that. Can you imagine seeing a set? That would be so Ugh, terrifying, with the, Especially dude. with those little grabber guys at the end. They push their wings out and spread their chest. The like serrated, you know, forearms. Right. That would kill you. These are actually awesome. I've been around some mantises in my life. Because uh, Jess had a bunch of them, remember? Uh-huh. And they're awesome creatures. The, the creepiest but coolest thing about them is they're the only insect that I know of, at least. I'm sure there's maybe more. But they move their head independent of their body. So it can stand there and then turn its head and look at you. It, it has makes it seem pretty sentient. Yeah. Because yeah, of a very alien presence. And they're, you know, you can you can have them around your house just walking around. Well, they watch TV with you. They can be very domesticated, which is pretty cool. They're pretty neat. They raise them from eggs. But yeah, awesome animals. Um, but yeah. They're not animals. They're kind of animals. They're insects. Well, mammals an animal. They're in the animal kingdom. Insects animal. Wrong. Science, John. Uh, <laughs> so one of the things I love about this, John, yeah, talking about like how terrifying this would be. These things, like the dog man, whatever else, there seems to be this common thread of like this feeling of like it's going to come back for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what do you say specifically? He said this creature, he was very afraid the creature was going to come back and that it wanted something. He was afraid it was going to do harm to him or his brother. There's a thing with that, with like the yeah. dogman of these entities that seem to be shifting slightly out of our dimension. They leave that mark on you. Yeah, it's like the dimensional danger feeling. You know, like it can come back, it has control. Bowels are loosed, you know? Like that's the thing too that like dogman witnesses have experienced yeah. before is this kind of like just loss of all control, you know, sometimes hypnotized. Pretty creepy stuff. Yeah, that's why I say use the buddy system. There are so many times, Jeremy. like so many of these stories. Where, I know it's it's not cool to say it, John, but it's important. <laughs> no, it's just dumb. Use the buddy. No, seriously, like uh, these stories, like this story. Just kidding with you. The first buddy story, system is very important. Thank you, especially in nature. It's valid because you know, the first story of the fishermen they separate. 
The story with the creature that the water hag. Everyone in Missing 411. Yeah, I mean, you can't really, it's easier to get abducted or be eaten by an entity if you're by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So fish together, guys. It's not, you know, you can share the fish. Don't go upstream and leave your friend downstream. Are you crazy? Or at least stay in view. Don't you know there's insects that are large? Mandibles. Anyways, we're joking. This is fun. Mantis man's fun. But of course, there there's some darkness to this topic too and some seriousness and tragedy. Yeah, that's why I kind of wanted to focus, you know, this being our season finale, I wanted to focus more on sort of the the more extreme. The more extreme encounters are a little more fun to be had with those than getting deep into like the missing, the tragic right. accounts of people going missing. Like I wanted to focus on the potential things that you might encounter within the forest. Right. That's why we did that. I do think that these things have a real potentiality of being real. There are nodes of truth mm-hmm. in all of these stories. As you like so, to say. The longer the show goes on, the more I feel like anything's possible. Yeah. The stories that we get from our listeners, you know, like mm-hmm. we had the gnome story that we sent in. I didn't keep it in this episode, but we ha- I found another gnome story one of these fairy stories where it's is identical to the fellow that wrote in about his gnome mm-hmm. experience as a kid. How bizarre. One again, the one we covered uh, where they said the skin had this sort of yellowed kind of pitted looking uh-huh. texture to it. Well, the one you did today with the fairy was again, the sort of like mummy-ish sort mm-hmm. of wrinkle. That's a common trait. There, there's so many common threads in all these different situations. It makes common you wonder thread, what reality thread. is, you know? Yeah. Nodes of truth. You got a stinger. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. You have a stinger. I do. That's probably better than our come to the belief hole song. I think that was good too. Who's this for, Jono? <laughs> this is for Rick Abney, our good friend. Ah, uh, yes, Rick, Rick. Oh, Rick, he's been a long-time listener. And I I did uh, get a hold of three or four or five patrons that we're going to be working on those coming up after the... After the break? Yeah, I'm going to try to get some of them done over the break. That's so great. should be able to get a lot of... And then there's only like, I don't know, a handful, close to the end a handful of, the of people after that. Yeah. So... I think I'm going to actually, next episode, I'm going to read off all the remaining ones. And then people, if for some reason we missed you, or you they can didn't write in. hear it, yeah. Because we are going to be getting around the corner Finish here. Finish line. So. Cool. This is for Rick. Rick Abney, <laughs> You are the best man in the world. I was going to say that. Richard Abney, <laughs> you are the best man in the world. Ooh, heavy claim. You're brave like a soldier. You'd fight till you'd die. You'd beat <laughs> up a lion and you wouldn't even cry. We hope that you're listening with your buddies at work. And we thank you for sharing our show, that's for sure. So this one goes out to you, Rick, you're the one. You helped grow the belief hole, now your job is done. Rick Abnia, you the best Man, it's a high title. It is. Me the that ending part reminds me of like the old Batman or something, like "Kiss by a Rose" by uh, <laughs> Seal. Uh, yeah, Seal? "Kiss by a Rose." Kiss by a thorn, about the isn't strings it? in there. Wait, Richard is Rick short for Richard? Yeah, you didn't know that. I yeah. thought that, I thought a Dick was. They both are. I thought Rick was. Sh- I mean, I don't know if his name is Richard, yeah. but I'm kind of guessing. No, no, I'm sorry. Rick is short for Rickard. Rickard, that yeah. was it. Yeah, Rickard. <laughs> Thanks, Rickard. Psych. <laughs> Just looking like, was that right? I mean, it could be, right? I, maybe not. Rickard? It does sound like it could be like an old English name. No, no, no. 
Rick Rickard? Yeah. Is Rick is short for Rickard? Duh. Chris is making this up. Oh, okay. I don't make things up. Don't go we'll on see, his though. boat hope, ride of lies. I hope not. But if not, I think you can, you know. I, I think, think that makes right. it better if it's not Richard. He <laughs> <laughs> just gave him a new first name. Um, Thompson. Nicknames include, yeah, yeah. Nicknames include Rick. Richie Dick Dickon, Dicky Rich Rick. Rico, Rico. Ricky. Right, your new name is Rico. <laughs> uh, okay, so it works, but either way, thank you so much. Thank Rick. you for yes, your patronage. Thank you very much, Rick. We appreciate you so much. Yes, we You've do. been with us for a while. And he, yeah, he's a, a good friend of the show. A familiar name in the hole, mm-hmm. for sure. So thank you very much. Thank you to all of our patrons out there. Uh, we've got some new ones to read, patrons and Yay. members. Woo! Real t- I forget we do the real time claps. That's good. Yay, it's Yay. organic. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's read some of our new, our new names to our members slash patrons. Do it. That have recently signed up. Okay, I'll begin. Jessica Nose. Hey. Or Noche. Yeah. Spencer Cummings. Spencer. Mm-hmm. Shannon Scott. Shannon. Hey, Shay, Shay. Shay. Carrie King. Yeah. Yeah. King of it all. Royalty. Bailey Baumberger. Sounds delicious. I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, Adam Marie Lewis. I Adam Marie. Adam Marie? Adam Marie, maybe? Adam Adam Marie. Adam Marie. That sounds like Calamari. Pretty good name. Way. Good name, Adam Marie. And thank you. Delay Chileic. Delia. Delia Chiliac. Delia Chiliac? Well, I'm a, this sounds like a name I can't, I won't normally be able to pronounce. Delay? Delay Chiliac. Thank you, we love you. You know who you are, and we thank you. Good name. Uh, Chelsea Cato. Hi, Chelsea. Kayleen McCauley. Kaylin. 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 That's a different, that's a big difference, though. That sounds uh, maybe Irish. Maybe she might be familiar with the... Could be a guy. With a name like McCauley. Or he, sorry. Dang it, I don't know these names. I don't know. (laughs) Spelling. Where's where's all the Johns and Brians and Steves? (laughs) Those guys are boring. These names are more interesting. Kaylin. It sounds Irish, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Probably have a bunch of corrections for our episode. I know. Uh, All right, you want to do some, Chris? Uh, Lindsay Maves. Hi, Lindsay. What's up? Big Bobby, but cannot block. (laughs) Big Bobby? (laughs) Sorry. He's big. Bobby... Bobby Knobloch. Hi, Bob. Hey, Bob. Hey, Baba. Hey, Bob. Baba. I don't know. <laughs> your grandma? I'm regressing. Hey, Baba. Uh, Curtis Gasser. Hey, bud. Curtis. Curtis. Old friend. Old friend coming back at you. Quentin Sheldon. Quentin. Hey, Quentin. 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 Annette Josephine. Ooh, pretty name. Hey there. I like it. <laughs> Sounded creepy almost. I like it, Annette. Vady Jewel. Hey. Vady. Hi. Nice to meet you. Prize jewel in any friend group. Good oh my to gosh. Join. Good to join. <laughs> I missed the news we didn't say anything after. Uh, Elena Stedman. Elena Ooh. Stedman. What you doing? Why does take a source? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Wrong I'm way. Sorry. Wrong direction. You skipped oh. one, Chris, by the way. Michaela Offholder. 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 Every, every <laughs> name is just trying to repronounce it correctly. Uh, thank you, Michaela. Yes. Michael Churchill. Hey, win that war. Win that war. I can pronounce that name. Michael, thank you. Winning that war. What is it, Churchill? Yeah, you know, he was involved. Sure, he gets that all the time. Patra. Patra Phillips. And Patra Phillips. Coming down the hole. Patra? Patra Phillips. Sliding down the hole to say hi. We love all of you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining up to be a member, a Belief Hole expansion member. keeps us going. Yes. Keeping us alive and keeping us moving forward and bringing you more content. We hope you extra content, yeah, because we really, uh, we like doing the expansion episodes. Yes. They're a little bit different, but they're also just as informative and entertaining. And on this week's expansion episode, uh, check it out, guys. It is going to be on 
mysterious recordings, oh, yeah. sounds of the unknown. This is going to be fun because it's going to be a lot of interactivity. You guys can get to hear some cool, crazy clips of strange, bizarre sounds. Yeah, possibly inexplicable, but we'll do our best to explain them. Mysterious recordings from uh, strange things heard in the woods, Ooh. Uh, not explained yet. Freaky sounding recordings from other worlds, potentially. Oh, awesome. Land of the Dead, maybe. And even recordings of speaking to other entities slash maybe spirits through an Italian radio. Oh, what about Italian EVP? EVP? And perhaps an EVPs. We'll just see what gets thrown in there. It's a grab bag of mysterious recordings. Grab bag! Grab it. <laughs> cool. We'll see you guys there if you're in the hole, deeper in the hole. And if not, we will see you next time, next season. Next season. Season three coming at you. Yeah! So Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, I guess. And Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. There's a lot of them. Happy whatever you do. All right. All right, guys. Love you. See you later. Bye.